Well, hey, everybody. Welcome back to The Pew. I am your host, John Edwards, and it's good to be uh, with you again this week. Uh, I'm excited. You know, we've started this series here lately. If you've been listening to the show, you've heard me talk about how some of the generous donations of the patrons and, and other people that have been supporting the ministry have allowed for us to now have on this these guests. So we're, we're doing these segments where we're interviewing just great Catholic men and presenters and, and, you know, my fellow speakers in the church that all have different insights into the everyday things that guys deal with. And I'm just so excited to keep doing this with you guys. And thank you for making it possible. You know, today I'm super excited because this is one of my really good friends. You know, I, John uh, Leonetti is going to be our guest today. And, you know, John and I met a couple of years ago at a CMLA, a Catholic Men's Leadership Alliance um, um, summit that we went to. And John came up, he was introduced to me by another friend, John Sablon, and he just began to ask me about my life and, you know, who I was and what I did. And I shared with him the story of my conversion. And I'll never forget John sat there for like an hour or however long it was while I told this and, and just didn't know me from Adam, but was present to me. He listened. And ever since then, John has just encouraged me to do the things that you see us doing here on the podcast and the other things we're doing through Pew Ministries. He's been a great friend, a guy that I talk to, you know, hopefully and usually on a weekly basis, but just a great man. He's done a lot of great things for the church. Um, John is a nationally known Catholic speaker. He's a best-selling author. He's a radio host on Iowa Catholic Radio. He's got his own podcast. He's written, I think, four books now at least um, that are all uh, you can find through Dynamic Catholic with Matthew Kelly. I know that you know he he uh, he's sold some of his books on that platform. You can find them everywhere. Um, he's also been on all kind of shows and things out there. He's been a part of VCC, which you know that uh, we've been doing through just to get on the pew and Metanoia Catholic and some of the other things we've been doing there. So just happy to bring John on today. I'm going to bring him up now. And John, I thank you for being with me. And it's just an honor to be with you, brother. Love it, man. Happy to be here. Yeah. Well, I got to tell you, this is something I've been wanting to do for a couple of weeks now. And I thank you for taking the time. I know it's getting in the silly season, the busy season, you know, Advent just started and so I know that uh, there's a lot of things uh, taking up time, but I appreciate you being here with me. And John, I just, you know, as I've told you before, if we've talked privately, we've just got a lot of guys that listen to this show that want to just deal with everyday things in their life, you know, the things that we struggle with. And they like to hear just conversation from men that are just like them, everyday guys like you and like myself. I think there's often this... this um, this idea that because we're on a stage or we have a platform that we're just some sort of anointed people or, or that we have everything figured out. And I know you'll be one of the first to tell people that that's not exactly true, that we all struggle with stuff and we all have things that we deal with in our lives as well. So I wanted to have you on here today and just talk to you about what you've been doing in your life and, and just how you got started um, and where your love from the Lord comes from and just get into some more things as we get started here. How I got started. Um, yeah, I was in fifth grade. I went to my first parish mission um, from a priest that uh, I don't remember what he said, but I remember how he said it. And uh, he was had more passion than I've ever seen for a guy uh, for his faith. And I remember walking out of there with my parents that night saying, I want that. And I, yeah. I kind of grew up in a family where, you know, our faith was really cultural. You know, my dad's Italian. And so, uh, you know, we went to mass and I would always say to my dad, I'd be like, dad, you know, what, why do we have to go to mass every weekend? Cause I couldn't stand sure. going. And, and he'd say, you know, that's what we do, you know? And I was like, <laughs> I, I know that's what we do, but I, you know, I, I want like, why, you know, it's, I don't know. My father took me to mass. His father took him to mass. I'm your father. I take you to mass. You know, that was like the catechesis I got growing up sure. when it came to the faith until, 
about fifth grade when I went to that mission, and it really started diving a little bit deeper into the things of the spiritual life. Uh, kind of fast forward all the way through school, I end up uh, discerning that God was calling me to the priesthood. And so I uh, mm. went off to seminary uh, for three and a half years. It was the best three and a half years of my life. Um, don't tell my wife that, but it was. It was the best <laughs> three and a half years of my life. And um, over the course of those three and a half years, I, I did something that the church uh, encourages all of us to do, but I never really learned how, and it was discernment, uh, the art of discernment. And discernment, I like to say, isn't where we kind of figure out what we want out of a given situation or what we, we want out of our lives. Discernment is where we really start to figure out what it is that God wants from me. Sure. And I started realizing something in seminary is that if God is real, if God is real, if all this is true, and he really is who he says he is, then what he wants for my life is going to be infinitely better than what I could ever want for my life. Sure. And if God is if God is real, then what he wants for my life is going to make me infinitely happier. And so for those three and a half years, I was really discerning, you know, and it's not done kind of in a vacuum. It was done with a spiritual director. It was good friends, a, a community of guys that I surrounded myself with, good books, of course, and lots of prayer. And I came to, to really understand and discern God's will for me was not uh, to become a priest. And so mm. I left. I went back home to live with my parents. Um, they were they were excited. And uh, <laughs> I, I knew that the Lord was calling me to do something uh, in, in the spiritual life, but I didn't really sure. know what it was. And uh, he made it pretty clear that it wasn't the priesthood. Uh, and it was hard for me to leave. I mean, I remember hugging my rector and all the guys, and it was a tough decision, but I knew it was God. Sure. Um, so I... I, I Kind of fast forward again about a year trying to figure out what I was going to do with my life. Um, I uh, I started a grilled cheese stand. This is a true story. Um, and <laughs> a lot of people don't know that, but I, I actually started a grilled cheese stand at Iowa State University for two years because I needed a job, of course, but I needed a job that was going to afford me to be able to go out and give talks because I was starting to do that sure. a little bit more. So I would work Thursday, Friday, Saturday nights from 9 p.m. to about 4 a.m. and then uh, it, it, selling grilled cheese sandwiches to intoxicated college students. My parents were very proud. And uh, eventually I, uh, I kind of, you know, got the boat close enough to the dock where people were having me come out and give more and more talks. Uh, kind of the, the parish mission was is sure. something that's always been yeah. close to me in my heart. You've been doing that, that for what, 20 years now? Doing that, something like yeah, that? 10 years I've been doing those. Um, ended up meeting my wife at a coffee shop and hmm. uh, that was it. One for one in the dating world. I uh, got my wife, wow. the most expensive cup of coffee I've ever gotten, but still it was the <laughs> well, best worth decision. It. it was the yeah. best decision I've ever made in my life. And here we are 10 years later today. Man, that's crazy. What, you know, that's what I admire about, you know, the first part of what you said is that discernment piece, right? Like so many times in our lives as men, I think we just sort of make decisions on a whim, right? We don't think about them. We just kind of do. We kind of go, well, what's the lesser of two evils? Or what do I want more? Or, But we don't spend a lot of time discerning. You know, a lot of people, I think, don't practice that in their life every day, just taking it to prayer and asking God, what do you want from me? Um, so we jump into decisions. We find our, ourselves in places that um, maybe we don't want to be or can often be disappointed in, in, in where we wound up because we just basically kind of went out there and, and we're trying to steer the ship ourselves. You know, it's ingrained in us, yeah. John. I mean, this yeah. is something that, you know, from, from kids, we've always been asked what it is we want to be when we grow up, you right, know, and, yeah. and we have people behind us, you know, that are, that are great people pushing us forward, you know, moms and dads and grandmas and grandpas and people that care and love for us, but it's a tough world. And for mm -hmm. many of our grandparents and for many of our parents, you know, they had to fight pretty hard for themselves. 
And right. so that's kind of ingrained in them. And that kind of just kind of naturally, I think it's passed on to us. And, and though we have to fight and we have to, of course, fight for ourselves, at the end of the day, we, we, we forget that it's not what I want, but it's right. what God wants. And that's the sure. thing that the saints always knew. You look at the life of the saints, you read them, it was God's will above all. And so that's faith, right? I mean, that's that's mm-hmm. faith. When I am completely putting my trust in God, and that doesn't sure. happen overnight. It hasn't happened in my life yet. It's my biggest weakness by far. It's the biggest mm-hmm. thing that I struggle with as a man because I, I like control. Uh, I like driving, you know? I mean, if, if God wants to ride along, he can. And for years I kept him in the trunk. Now he's at least in the passenger seat. Sure. But, I, you know, he wants control of the wheel. And, and as men, as anyone, we have to look into our lives and say, Lord, am I discerning what it is that you want for my day, for my week, for my year, for my life? You know, big questions to the small things in our everyday lives. What is God's will in this and what's his plan for me? No, you're exactly right. And I think the hardest part of that is trust, right? Like you, you hit that on the head when, when you said, like, take me to that moment in, in, in the seminary when you discerned out of it. Like that had to be a gut wrenching feeling, right? To just like, Lord, I thought this is what you wanted. I thought this is what I wanted, but now I have to trust you to your point. Like, how did you get through that? Like, how did you, because I think there's a lot of men that, that in their lives with all kinds of different things. They, they think they, they, they're picking the right thing or that they might be choosing the right thing, but there's always that gut feeling. And so I think a lot of guys, we don't make decisions. We don't move forward. We don't, we just kind of stay where we are because we're afraid of what's going to happen since we don't know what's going to happen. So like, how did you get past that in your life? Like, I mean, how did you deal with that? Yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't a switch, uh, you know, that just kind of went off. It wasn't a, a voice that I heard, you know, I have always said if I was hearing voices, I would have gone to the doctor first. Um, <laughs> it was, it was gradual. It was something that was done. Discernment was done in community. Uh, for me mm-hmm. at that time, it was done with a good spiritual director. It was mm-hmm. done through lots of prayer. I mean, we think we're going to be able to discern what it is that God wants for our days and our weeks and our years and our life. Uh, without prayer, it isn't going to happen. Um, so it, it really was just kind of a gradual understanding of an unfolding of where God was calling me, where my gifts were best suited. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I, I had always kind of lended towards kind of more of a um, in evangelization, more of kind of a missionary zeal, missionary sure. spirit, kind of going from place to place. In the seminary as a diocesan priest, I, I really kind of understood that's probably not going to happen here. A diocesan priest calls their parish home, and, and that's their sure. family, and that's where they're serving. So then I went off, and I started um, – I got permission from my vocations director. I started looking at different religious orders um, and, you know, orders especially that would travel. And I just – I would go in. I'd pray at those orders, and I just – I realized some right away and some over maybe the course of a couple of days or a three-day retreat that – that's not where God was calling me to go either. Uh, and then mm-hmm. I got really comfortable with silence. Uh, yeah. And it, it was the hardest way to get comfortable. I went on a, a nine-day Ignatian silent retreat. Mm. Um, it was the best and hardest thing I've ever done in my life because anyone that knows me, and you know me, knows I, yeah. I can't do silence very well. And um, <laughs> I'm right there know, with you. St. <laughs> John of the Cross said that silence is the language of God. Uh, you know, sure. silence is God's first language. And so if we're going to know what he wants for us, we have to get comfortable with silence. And that was something I'm still working on to this day, but that was something I got comfortable with. And, and gradually I came to, to understand. I remember being in the chapel when I made that final decision and saying to the Lord, Lord, I'm, I'm going to leave and I'm going to trust you in this next area of my life. And I went and I told my rector and again, gave him a big hug and it was, it was sad. It was so hard 
but yet it was beautiful in a way that I was able to look at all the guys that I was in seminary with in the face and say, you know, I know this isn't it. The Lord's made that clear. And I don't know what it is out there yet, but God's got a plan uh, for me. And, and in my life, you know, I just I share with you kind of God's plan for me right now. And it's still unfolding like crazy. Uh, but I think we forget all of us. I don't care how ordinary or extraordinary you are. We're all every one of us just very ordinary men. Yeah. Um, God's got a plan for our lives too. You know, again, as you said, John, it's not just for those people on stage or the people that, you know, we admire the people that are writing books and stuff. Who cares? None of that's going to get me into heaven. Right. At the end of the day, it's, it's, am I fulfilling what God wants me to do in my life? Am I fulfilling Mm -hmm. God's plan? At least am I seeking that in the way I watch I live my life? You know, and that's one thing that you and I've talked about before. And I remember you saying to me is like, each one of us has a unique mission and purpose that God has given for our life and we're the ones that can accomplish it. And so a lot of times I think we, we, we play ourselves down and we think we're insignificant and we don't matter. And, you know, and there's nothing we can do, but you know, this past week I had a friend of mine that started, was one of the people that started the local 501 C3 men's group here in Memphis has been leading uh, conferences for 15 years. His name was Bill Platten and he passed away suddenly from COVID just, you know, healthy guy, 65 years old, went in the hospital and never came out. Uh, and, and, he was an ordinary guy, but he chose to live extraordinary. Like he, he loved everybody. He was involved in things like room at the end and anything you could be involved with. And every, he made everyone better around him. And I think sometimes we can get this idea that we have to be this image of, of this person, right? Like this person looks like this. So I've got to be just like that too, in order to fulfill what God wants in my life. But to your point, we all have that calling that unique purpose that God calls us to. And we need to figure out what that is through discernment, through trust, yeah. through listening, and then go I, I out and try right. to live it. You know, yeah. the vision, the vision is the same. You know, we hear vision statement, mission statement, sure. the vision for us as Catholics, for, for any of us living is to be a saint, right? That that's sure. what God wants for us to be in heaven with him mm-hmm. for all eternity. The mission I think is how that plays out. And, yeah. and the mission is going to be something for each and every one of us, very different, uh, and it's going to, you know, God's going to give us uh, different paths and different roads that we're going to go down, but it all leads to the same place. It all leads sure. to the same state of being, the vision that God wants for all of us, and that is to be with him in the next life eternally. So, uh, again, uh, every one of us have a part to play in that. God's made that individual path for us. Uh, it, it's a matter of if we're going to get on it and if we're going to keep going on it. Sure, sure. Well, you mentioned the saints a couple times. I know you just started, I think, last year, the it was Sanctify You, that you've got your membership program where people can come in, and it, you basically are teaching people about the saints and their lives, which I think is amazing. I, I think that, especially men, a lot, we don't, I think we take for granted the, these gifts that are the saints, right? We, we hear their quotes, we have some memorized maybe, but I don't know that many of us have ever, do, you know, dove into their lives and really kind of learn from their experiences and from what they've gone through. But you seem to, to, to let that lead your ministry. And I've always wanted to ask you this. I mean, you and I have talked, but ask you this in front of other people and, and just kind of tell me like, why the saints, you know, you can, there's people that talk about scripture, there's apologetics, there's all these different things, but what led you particularly to, I know this is what God wants me to do. He wants me to bring the saints to people today. Yeah, I always, just in my mind with anything, I start all the way at the end, and then I try to bring it back and work okay. myself back, right? Um, yeah, I've heard an analogy that was used on this, and this is just the way I think, and when this priest said this analogy, it just clicked for me, right? Mm-hmm. The, the golfers, you know, when we go up to golf um, at a hole, you know, the golfers are looking at their last shot. They're kind of playing, okay, I, I, I want to go here, and then I'm going to go here, and then I'm going to go here, 
you know, to try to, uh, you know, birdie this hole. Sure. Uh, for me, when I go golf and I love to golf, I'm just thinking, don't hit it in the woods, right? Just, yeah. just don't anywhere keep it in play. But the trees. Yeah. yeah, keep it in play. Next one, keep it in play. I don't, I don't know how to spin the ball back to the hole at this degree sure. or this angle. I, you know, <laughs> half the time I'm using the wrong club, right? Uh, but in the spiritual life, every one of us can do this. So we look at the end game here. What's the goal? What What do we want? Uh, you know, just like the golfer is looking, and that's heaven. Yeah. So let's work our way back. How do we get there? Well, for me, I think it's pretty simple because we look to the people that the church canonizes, puts on the official canon or calendar of the church and says, mm-hmm. we know without a shadow of a doubt through the authority given to the church in the name of Christ Jesus, that this man or this woman is in heaven through the miracles, through the, the maybe a martyrdom. Uh, through the, the heroic virtue in which it has been combed over endlessly throughout their life. We can say definitively here that this person is to be canonized. This person is in heaven. Mm-hmm. And so again, kind of continuing to work myself back with that, I think, well, I want to be in heaven. And if I know they're there, then I just got to do what they do. Mm-hmm. And so that's why I read the lives of the saints, because I want to go there. I want to do what they do because I want to be in heaven. I want to actually go there. So I've just kind of become obsessed with reading their lives. And I've, I've realized they're all so incredibly different. And the, the, again, the path, the mission that God called them to is so unique and very unique to them. I'm going to share with your patrons, though, at the next yeah. interview, the three things every one of them had in common. Because I think there's three things specifically every saint had in common that we can all take on if we're going to get in the spiritual life. But at the end of the day, we just do the things that they did reading their lives. And I, I decided I was going to bring it to the people, not just in, in uh, sanctify you, but also my books. Um, mm-hmm. I, uh, I write about the saints, saints stories up and down in my books throughout the pages, just because I've always said the saints lives changed my life. And I think the saints lives can change others as well. Amen. Amen. And I, you know, I got to tell you, there's one that, that you and I are going to talk about later too. Um, St. Augustine that's you know, impacted my life. <laughs> I look at his life and I look at mine and I can see some similarities there with, uh, you know, even just his quote, you know, make me chase, but not right now. You know, <laughs> I lived that in my life for quite a long time. Sure. But, but uh, you know, John, here, here's the thing, like, I, who is it in your life that I wanted to ask you? And I've never asked you this, I don't think. But who is your, and I know you're probably going to go, man, I like a lot of them, but who's your favorite saint or who do you go to um, to be inspired all the time? Or who is the one that you're most um, that that you, you you're most kin to, right? You know, where you're looking at it and going, you know what? I feel very like a kindred spirit with a saint. Who is that to you? Probably St. Rita of Cassia. Um, okay. I have three patron saints. St. Saint Padre Pio is one, St. Rita of okay. Cassia, and then St. Michael. St. Michael just because that was my my namesake uh, for confirmation. Sure. Uh, and then St. Pio and St. Rita because they were the first two books of a saint I ever read. I am mm-hmm. convinced without a shadow of a doubt that God put those books in my life uh, at, the, at the exact right time. And reading their lives fascinated me. Absolutely mm-hmm. fascinated me. Um, and so I, I would probably say... Oh, my, my favorite is probably St. Rita, just above Padre Pio. Sorry, Padre, but uh, St. Rita, <laughs> she's the patroness of impossible cases. Uh, kind of the, the, the woman, St. Jude, right? So St. Jude right, is the patron yeah. of impossible cases. She's sure. the patroness uh, because she had a uh, uh, she had brokered a, um, a peace treaty between two rival gang families that was seen to be impossible. One of those just happened to be her family, uh, her deceased husband's family, and uh, a rival gang after her husband was killed. 
um, she went off to the she wanted to go off to the convent and they wouldn't let her because they thought the, the families were going to come hunt them down too, in uh, letting her in. So they charged her. They said, you, you go out, uh, charge her with the task of of uh, creating a peace treaty between the families. They said there's no way she'd be back. And she did it within a year. Uh, and uh, wow. there was peace. And it's just she she was a wife, a mother, a widow, a nun. Um, she had the stigmata. She was a stigmatist of a single thorn in her forehead. So oftentimes when you see St. Rita of Cassia, you'll see images of her, icons of her with a thorn and a light going to the crown of thorns on a crucifix uh, for Christ Jesus. But she didn't have an easy life. It was it was a horrendously difficult life in many circumstances. Uh, but she remained faithful to the bitter end. And uh, actually kind of an interesting note that a lot of people don't know is to this day, she has uh, of any saint the most miracles that are actually attributed to her. Wow. Um, so I'm a, I'm a big fan. I've been a big fan of St. Rita for a long time. She's awesome. And, and she's just, she's my sidekick. I mean, I, I feel her her presence i feel her her prayers in my life but she's the one well you know isn't isn't it funny though like that's one of the things that draws us to them right is you've got these saints that have done these incredible things but yet you see a lot of them had so much struggle in their life i mean you look at john paul ii and everyone he lost in his life you know and the, and the fact that he became what he became is, is a miracle to me right like to experience that much loss and 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 just the things that he went through and there's so many others you know but i think I mean, would you agree that that's what another thing that draws us to them is that they're not perfect people. They're people that wound up living tremendous lives, but they were broken like you and I. They were they struggled. They had uh, adversity. They had sufferings. And to me, that's one thing why I like to look at the saints is in in and, and find out new things about different ones because it shows me like I don't have to be perfect. I can attain heaven. I can make it to heaven without being a perfect person. I just literally have to put into play some of these things that these great saints are the sort of the roadmap for us. But so like John, I mean, here you are trying to be a saint. I mean, I'm sure you struggle with some things in your life too. I mean, what are the things that you struggle with that these saints help you deal with that, that, you know, that, that help you in your life? St. John Vianney, you mentioned St. Augustine a little bit ago. St. John Vianney yeah. said, not every saint started well, but every saint ended well. Mm. Not every saint started well, but every saint ended well. Sure. Um, you know, I, I have long said when I go out and I speak, one of the first things I lead with is that I'm Catholic, not because um, I, I'm, I'm a perfect person, not because I have my life all put together. I'm Catholic sure. because I'm a mess. <laughs> and I believe that it's in and through the Catholic Church that I have my best chance every day through the graces of the sacraments to be in heaven with God in the end for all eternity. And if I did not believe that within the Catholic Church offers me the best chance of heaven, the best chance of heaven here on earth, then I, I wouldn't be Catholic. Uh -huh. I'm not Catholic because it's easy. It's certainly not. And if our faith comes easy, we're doing it wrong. Amen. And I'm not Catholic because it always makes sense to me. Now, I, I'm with the church on every single one of her teachings, uh, but that's not to say that I struggle in them. Forgive one another. That's probably one of the hardest teachings that the church gives. Yeah. Love one another as, as God has loved us, a, a selfless, sacrificial love every day. That's the hardest thing I could ever possibly do. And I got to mm. do that and merit. I'm failing, not all the time, but I'm failing on a majority of the basis in my own family doing that, right. you know, and, and, and and, and I'm supposed to and expected to do this out in the world. You know, the struggle sure. of that is real, I think, for all of us. Yeah. And so that's that's the beauty of what the saints teach us, as you said before, is is we struggle with with all the things, of course, that, that every man and woman are, are struggling with. 
me, you, the Saints, every one of us. Sure. But they all never gave up. And that was the big thing is, is I have always said, be holy or die trying. Sure. You know, be be holy or die trying and strive for holiness. And that's what they did. They didn't allow that when they were knocked down to be able to stay down. They got back up and continued on. And, and for us, getting back up, making a good confession, sure. uh, going and, and sitting for an hour in front of the Blessed Sacrament, going to receiving Holy Communion worthily. Um, uh, you know, so many different opportunities that the Lord has given us in his church to be a person of mercy. But yeah, we're all a mess. My wife yeah. was once asked how she stays married to a man who travels seven months out of the year, and she said because he travels seven months out of the year. You know? <laughs> this is not a museum of saints. And if you want That's a museum right. of saints right now, look to heaven. There's your museum of saints. This sure. right here is a hospital for sinners. Yeah. That's what this church is for us right now. And so we, every one of us, are patients of that hospital and going to get holy by God's grace. Yeah, amen to that. And I mean, I know, I feel what you're talking about because as somebody else that presents and obviously has, you know, uh, speaking engagements and things like that, I often can feel that hypocrisy in my own life sometimes, right? Where you're out there and you're teaching these things that you believe that God has put, you know, in your in your heart to share with other people. But then sometimes you're at home and you're like, man, I'm failing miserable on what I just told people to be good at, right? Like, So there is that, that there is that struggle for for uh for us but like you said there's still the opportunity like uh, one of my favorite things about the catholic church is how much we talk about suffering you know and how important that is to our journey um you know i was protestant once as you know john and and uh we didn't we didn't hear a lot about suffering you know i mean you heard about the passion of christ but not our own personal suffering and how god can use that and that's one of the most beautiful things for me about the saints about the catholic church is that like why yes i am made to suffer in this moment or yes things are not going the way that I would hope they would go, but what is it in this that God wants me to see? Or what is it that I'm supposed to learn from this moment? Um, and it's one of the things that I think the saints did well. I think they never missed an opportunity, most of them, to, to look for what God was trying to say through, to them uh, you know, through different opportunities or different sufferings or any of that. So, I yeah. mean, have you seen that same thing in your studies of them? I mean, like I said, well, you, you're I, kind of a whiz listen, on these. <laughs> I, I've said it a million times. I mean, the saints yeah. saw suffering not as an obstacle to God's grace, mm -hmm. but as an opportunity for God's grace. You know, and, sure. and I think oftentimes I and, and many others can think, oh, this, this suffering, if it would only go away, if I only wouldn't suffer here mm -hmm. or there, then, then I could be holy, right? Sure. But no. The saints saw sufferings, no matter what it is, even a simple stubbing of the toe is an opportunity mm -hmm. as a reminder of God's grace in their life. And, and right. we can, too. And you look all throughout the lives of the saints, no matter what it was, uh, is that that's what they knew God was using to draw closer to them. Yeah, that's awesome. So, you know, we've got a lot of guys on here. Like I said, we've got a lot of everyday guys. We've got a lot of ladies that listen to if they were trying to, you know, if they're looking at this right now and go, I want to know more about the saints, like from your opinion, a guy who studied them a lot, and I know they need to start with Sanctify You. That's probably the best place to start, right? <laughs> but uh, where would you tell them? Because, I mean, that's the thing. The church, it's great that the church has treasure troves of information and books and all this stuff, but a lot of times it can be overwhelming too, right? You go to your yeah. your local Catholic bookstore and you want to read something on St. Thomas Aquinas and there's 3,000 books, you know? So where do, like... Where would you tell people to start? Like, I know there's a lot of saints and it's probably a vague question, but where would you tell people, like, go here if you want to learn or there's a good resource about, you know, a lot of saints in one place or where do they start from? Uh, I, I am a big fan. Everyone's different here on this. So I don't sure. think there's a one size fits all. For me, I'm a big fan of individual biographies. 
Um, okay. I, you know, we read individual biographies of, of presidents and, uh, you know, heroic figures. Most of the time when we read about heroic figures in the faith, we don't just kind of lump all of them in together and just kind sure. of read about them. There are good books out there that have maybe different reflections or quotations on there like that. And there are cer certainly some good books um, that will talk about different stories here or there. But if you really want to get uh, invested in the lives of the saints, I think you just go one at a time uh, and you start with the one that interests you the most. That might not be, mm -hmm. and you may not even know who that is. That person might just come and find you. I'll tell you that. It's happened to me with St. Rita. When you're at your local uh, gift yeah. store and you're looking around at some of the saints, that's, that's interesting. Or that person is interesting. Um, you know, and, and it just starts, I think, simple like that. Obviously, there's different um, books that are going to talk a lot about saints. My books all have, you know, as I said, different stories and everything. Sure. But if I'm just really starting to get involved in the lives of the saints, I'd, I'd go all in, get the orange copy. I always tell people the orange copy of the okay. Padre Pio uh, book. It's it's a thicker read, but it is one of the best books you're ever going to read. Look up St. Rita's biography if you can. Uh, read about her life and just start with those two. They are the ones that interest me the most, um, and I think they're going to probably interest you as well. Awesome. Awesome. Well, that's often the thing that keeps people from starting something is they don't know where to begin. So thank you for sharing those and what those that have been important to you and have helped you. Now, you mentioned books a couple times. I know you've got a new one that just came out. It's Life, Liberty, and the Pursuit of Happiness, correct? Holiness. Holiness. Sorry. Holiness. Sorry. I knew I was going to mess something up. No, it, had right. to be, it had to be the holiness thing. <laughs> I, I usually did, mess man. that up anyway. <laughs> no, no, no. Listen, man. I mean, if, if you want to be happy, we got to be holy. Right. Yeah, and, right. And the whole world wants to be happy. The problem is, is we're staying on the surface level of happiness instead sure. of really digging deep to what really can give us the happiness that we're all looking for. And that's holiness. So the whole idea is in our life to be able to live it, as I said, or die trying. And this is the pursuit. This is a book that I, I wrote to be able to help us in that pursuit, to be able to get holy with our Lord. Well, and what a time to write it in, right? With COVID and all these other things and this crazy 2020 year that uh, we've had, you know, there's a lot of people out there that have been isolated and alone and just, it's been a tough time on a lot of people. So, you know, that may be a good, a good read to pick up for people to start looking at. Cause you know, it's, it's pretty, I know one thing that I've looked at through COVID is there's a lot of things in my life that meant something to me that, that I've now seen that shouldn't have meant as much to me as it did. You know, there's a lot of things that we spend our time on that aren't as important as we, is the importance we put on them a lot. And, uh, there's a lot of things we spend time on that aren't ever going to bring us that happiness. Like you said, it's only that holiness and seeking that through Christ. He's the one that can do that in our lives. I mean, that's what I've found through my story and, and through witnessing, you know, the sharings of other people. Um, John, I know we're coming to a close here in a minute. I really appreciate you being here with me. Um, I know the book is out there. Uh, if people want to find out more about you, I know you've got johnleonetti.com, but share with me, share with the people here how they can hear more from you and how they can get more from you. Yeah, johnleonetti.com. I do uh, missions. If your uh, uh, parish is interested, you know, when things start to open up again later 2021 or 2022, be happy to come out and do a three-day uh, mission. Just go to johnleonetti.com, John without the H. Uh, if you want to copy my newest book, holinessbook.com is where you can go, holinessbook.com. And let me say this. If you're mm -hmm. not a patron yet on for John Edwards, just a guy in the pew, <laughs> get there. I don't care if it's a couple dollars a month. Maybe it's just a dollar a month. That's $12 a year. 
more that this ministry can use and utilize for God than what uh, than, than what they were doing before. Five dollars a month, ten dollars a month. You know, again, go mm-hmm. monthly. I'm a monthly donor to a lot of different organizations. It's just a lot easier for me to do that than just kind of write the big check. If you are blessed to be able to write that big check, stay here with just a guy in the pew, and I mean that sincerely. It is some awesome work, Johnny, that you're doing. Well, I appreciate that, John. Thank you so much. And and speaking of the patrons, you know, this interview is coming to an end, but John and I are about to record another 15, 20 minutes just for the patrons. And as he mentioned, we're going to be talking about three things that people need to learn from the saints and apply to their lives. So it's going to be a great interview. So if you want to catch that, then then you can go to uh, com, collect support, or click support, and then you can go there and fill out uh, and become a patron at whatever level you want. You'll also get some great things, right? You'll get, you know, some merchandise, just around the few shirts, mugs, all that great stuff. But you'll get access to the extra content like we're about to have with this uh, extra interview with John. So, John, again, thank you. Folks, go out and check him out. Listen to him on Iowa Catholic Radio. You can catch it on SoundCloud. He also has his podcast. You can find it on any podcast platform out there. So just, you know, patronize John, too. He's a great guy. He's a great friend. He's been a great mentor. I am blessed to have him in my life, and I just knew that we had to share him with you all for those that you may not may not know him yet. But, Just follow what he's doing, get to know the saints, and become holy. That's what John wants for you, and that's what I want for you too. So, guys, thanks for your time. We'll talk to you later, and God bless.